It's remembering the story of God that sets us straight. Helps us to see that God's not at all concerned that we forgot the bread. Right? We spend a lot of our lives worried that God's upset with us because we forgot the cotton picking bread. And it's not about the bread. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Got a little special guest with us today, uh, a gift here as we start the sermon. So this is Ethan Strebeck. He's uh, Amberly and I's son. And uh, I try not to pick on my kids very much because uh, goodness knows they get picked on enough. But um, in this case, you know, Ethan didn't have any idea what the sermon was about this week. And we were just driving down the road in the pickup in the middle of the week. And he just gave me one of his classic, hey, dad, did you know statements? And so if you've been around Ethan, you know that these happen, you know, just from time to time. And so this particular week, he said, hey, dad, did you know? And so I thought it would be good. He wants to tell us a little bit about, I'm going to ask him to tell us a little bit about what he told me this week about our memory. Thank you, dad. So here's how memory works. A certain part of the brain called the hippocampus unites cells called neurons into memory. They take out important details like smells, sights, and sounds. And they also take in emotions from a part of the brain called the amygdala, and then they unite all those details into memory. And then there's another part of the brain called the striatum that deals with memories that are more like remembering how, how to do certain skills, like playing the piano or playing baseball. <laughs> and that's, that's just about I've got for you. Thank you. That's Back just to about you. it. Okay. Back. All right. Back to you, Dad. <laughs> All right. Thank you, buddy. You can go sit with mine. Okay. All right. No, you can leave it. It's okay. All right. <clears throat> <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> I thought you would enjoy that. I, I still don't understand exactly what all that means, um, but I thought it was fascinating, and it really reminds us that our memories are complex. We are complex creatures. We have ability to do amazing things. The beauty of the human memory is unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. The complexity and beauty of human memory is integral to our experience, to our life experience. It's part of who we are. Memory leads us into places of vulnerability, for instance, where we remember all of life. You know, there's those times where it's just like the, the film is rolling and we remember the good and the bad and the ugly and different things are highlighted when we smell something or hear something or a song comes on the radio or we're gathered with family and they say, oh, do you remember? And so my question this morning is, what if God, what if God who created us with these complex memories, what if God in his mercy and his grace and his wisdom, what if he intends to captivate our memory? What if God intends to redeem 
and sanctify and heal our place of remembering. All those places that Ethan told you about. Oh yeah, he's telling me. For our joy and for God's glory. What if that's what God is up to? The memory. You know, we love to do this when we get together as friends or family and church family. What do we do when we're sitting around a table eating? We start telling stories. And we say, oh, do you remember that time? And so the kids, as they grow up in that scene, they, they remember things that they weren't even there for because they've heard their parents and grandparents tell those stories so many times. So when you say, hey, remember that time when Grandpa Joe back in 1928 and the kids that are, you know, this tall are like, oh, yeah, we remember that. We've heard that story a million times. They weren't there but they were there, right? So our memory works this way. And we tell these stories, and these memories become part of who we are. They shape our memory, our understanding. They remind us of who we are in the world, for better, for worse. And the story of God is no different. We tell these stories. We remember these stories, even the ones that we weren't physically there for. And it shapes us. It reminds us who we are and where we come from, and what God put us on the earth for. There is a story of salvation history where God acts on behalf of all humanity, on behalf of me, and on behalf of you, and all people, where God is inviting us to join in, to be saved, to be healed, to live. And it all begins with remembering. So to the text that Kai read for us, Matthew's Gospel, if you want to follow along today on your phone or if you brought your Bible with you, uh, Matthew 16, 5 through 12. And we're wrapping up our series that we've called Lakeside with the Rabbi. And we've been following Jesus in these scenes, starting out a few weeks ago, finishing up today, where we've just followed Jesus back and forth across the Sea of Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee, to the surrounding regions, and he's in a boat, and then he's on a mountain, and he's back in a boat, and then he's on the shore, and then he's back in a boat, and he's going to the other side, and he's grieving, and he's teaching, and he's healing, and he's doing all these things. And the thing that we really recognize at the end of the series is that Jesus is on the move. You know, Jesus does not keep office hours. He didn't hang a shingle in his hometown and say, hey, I'm here, I'm the Messiah, I'm open for business, I'm here from 8 to 5, and if you guys want to talk to me, come on by. I mean, he was out there. He was hitting them where they were. He went into the chaos of humanity, and he just jumped right in the middle of it, and he invites us as disciples to follow suit. So that's what our ministry looks like too, right? We're out there. We're among the people. We're doing the work that Jesus has called us to. The road at this point in the story is winding and it's winding its way towards the cross. And nobody wants to talk about it. The disciples are struggling to grasp the very thing that they cannot afford to miss. It's the mystery of faith. The reality that the cross is at the center of the universe. What we know now and summarize when we go through the communion liturgy as Christ has died. Christ has risen. And Christ will come again. While Jesus patiently works with the disciples, he has not abandoned even his fiercest opponents. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees have gathered around and they have been trying to press Jesus. And you know it's gotten rough when two groups that don't get along, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when they've united forces 
to team up against Jesus. Because they disagree about tons of stuff. But in this, apparently, they were united. They were really upset with Jesus. And they want to take him to task. So they get together, and they corner him, and they're messing with him. Well, Jesus is calling them blind guides. He's reminding the disciples to be careful around them. And Jesus chastises the, scri- the Sadducees and Pharisees and says, you guys are the smartest of the smart. You can read the sky for crying out loud. You can interpret the signs of the stars and you know when it's going to rain and you know when storms are coming and you know what's going on by the moon, but you can't read the sign that's in front of your face. You can't see that I am the very sign that you've been longing for. I'm God's Messiah and here I am talking to you And you guys are missing the boat. You're worried about all this outward stuff, and you're missing the heart of the matter. You can read the sky, but you can't read me. Jesus is, even in chastising them, though, he's inviting them to repent and reconsider. And so, even though Jesus reaches out to those who oppose him, Jesus warns his disciples very severely, watch out for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's very subtle, Jesus says, but they will lead you astray. Don't miss the main thing by getting wrapped up in all their minutiae. So Jesus makes this statement that Kai read for us. Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, why the baking analogy? What's going on here, Jesus? Just a little bit of yeast, a little bit of leaven will alter the core substance, as you know. It will make bread, what it is with its beautiful aroma and rising and just a little bit of leaven will alter our lives. In the Jewish context, I mean, we we don't get this. Most of us don't even know how to bake bread or the ones of us who have tried, we've made a huge mess, something that turns into like a paperweight, you know, and uh, and it just really is not edible. But um, in that culture, you know, bread, bread was foundational. It was everything. And yeast Leaven was a huge deal. So every year at Passover, they were instructed to, they would gather up all the leaven in the house, and they would carry it out of the house. You had to, move, you had to get rid of all the leaven. You had to carry it out of the house, and they had to make bread without yeast, which is not a lot of fun, but it gives us that nice, crunchy, unleavened bread. And why did they do that? Why were they commanded to do that? So they would remember that they were once slaves in Egypt. And that God had rescued them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And when he was rescuing them from Pharaoh and Egypt and he was bringing them out into a new land, they didn't even have time for the bread to rise. So they just had to make unleavened bread and get the heck out of there. So that's what they're commemorating every time they celebrate Passover and they carry the yeast out of the house. They carry the leaven out of the house. So it's a big deal. But So in in time, leaven became associated with something that would dilute the real thing. It would dilute the pure thing. So we use this when we're talking about drinks, right? Oh, that's too watered down. It's like taking your favorite bourbon and just like dumping a bunch of water in it. Or taking your cup of coffee in the morning and it's there and then you just fill it up with half water. It's like, ah, I'm missing the the real thing. So it's diluted. And Jesus is saying, watch out for the diluting of the Pharisees. Watch out for the corruption of of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Their teaching is subtle, but it'll get you. And you're not going to like it, and it waters down the real thing. So watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So, back to the text. Remember Matthew's detail. 
he tells us this little narration comment. He said, now the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. They're in the boat, they're going out, and they forgot to bring bread. You know, it's like when you start off and you're headed on vacation or you're going to the office or whatever, and you get, you're almost there, and you realize, shoot, I forgot that. You know, I forgot that one thing. I set it right there on the counter, and I forgot it. Well, the disciples are like, oh, dang it, we forgot bread. You know, the one thing we didn't need to forget, we forgot bread. And so Jesus is warning them about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the disciples have a little discussion. And Amberly alluded to this in her sermon a few weeks ago. I mean, if you can't laugh at this, I mean, the Bible has so much humor in it. that They're discussing among themselves. You know, you can just see, I mean, the, the foundation of our faith, right? The disciples. Here they are, and they're in a boat, and they're looking at each other, and they're like, oh, I get it. He's mad at us because we forgot bread. <laughs> it's like, gosh, no, he's not. So it has nothing to do with bread. He says, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So it's hilarious. It's funny, but it's only funny for a minute. And we realize <clears throat> that we make up stuff about God all the time, don't we? We make up stuff about God all the time that has no foundation in Scripture or the story that we receive. We just make stuff up about God because... Here we are. And when we forget the story of God, we miss the nature of God. And when we miss the nature of God, we misunderstand Jesus. And it's a downward spiral. We miss the warnings and we fail to see the deeper meaning when we forget the story of God. The deeper meaning, the heart of Jesus' message the gospel, it's what keeps us alive. But it's elusive, you know, and it's not elusive because God is being coy or he's withdrawing or God is playing a little, you know, holy hide-and-seek with us. It's just because God, the Holy Trinity, has been revealed to us as a holy mystery, right? It's the thing that if you were a scholar and you'd set out just purely with your mind to figure out God and to spend the rest of your life doing it, you couldn't do it. But if you're a child and your heart is inclined to listen, you can understand God. It's, the mystery is revealed through humility and through the courage of hearts and memories that will receive the goodness of God. We simply need ears that, eyes that will see and ears that will hear. And we must cultivate humility to see and courage to hear. We must remember our common story of the revelation of God today, tomorrow, and yesterday, from the beginning of time. For Jesus says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's remembering the story of God that sets us straight. Helps us to see that God's not at all concerned that we forgot the bread. Right? We spend a lot of our lives worried that God's upset with us because we forgot the cotton-picking bread. And it's not about the bread. So Jesus says to his disciples, do you not yet perceive, do you not remember? Right? Do you remember the five loaves that fed the 5,000? Do you remember the seven loaves that fed the 4,000? Do you remember when I fed representatively all of Israel and the 5,000 families? Do you remember representatively when I fed all of the Gentiles and the 4,000 families? How is it, Jesus says, that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? So, I'm just putting myself right in the mix here with all of us, and I think what I need and what we need is a healing of our memory. 
that beautiful, complex memory that Ethan described to us early on, we need healing at the level of memory. I want to read to you just a couple of sentences from one of my favorite books, and uh, this is uh, St. Augustine's book uh, that you all know about, The Confessions. Uh, sometimes you have to read it in high school, and we don't understand what the heck's going on. I still don't understand what's going on, but I read it more now, and I love Augustine's language. I love that he's reaching for God and how he talks about that. Augustine was a guy who knew what it was like to live it up and to miss the boat. He was the most successful of the successful. He was a skilled orator. He knew things that just would boggle my mind. He memorized countless things. So his memory was full of of, uh, wild experiences. His memory was full of things that he had learned as as an attorney. His mind was full of all of this stuff. And his memory, he really focused. He talked a lot about memory. He said, God, I go searching in my memory and I find you. And it's a sweet experience. So here's, here's a few things Augustine says. How widely I have ranged through my memory seeking you. Lord, I have not found you outside of it, for I have discovered nothing about you that I did not remember from the time that I learned to know you. That is why you have dwelt in my memory ever since I learned to know you, and it is there that I find you when I remember and delight in you. And yet, you have deigned to dwell in my memory from the first day that I learned to know you. And he just marvels. He says, what am I doing that I'm looking for you, God, in a place? There's no place that you're confined in. As though there were really places there. But most certain it is you that dwell in it because I have been remembering you since I first learned to know you. And there I find you when I remember you. Isn't it beautiful? In his search, there I find you when I remember you. He's connecting the story of God to the story of his own redemption, where God reached out and pulled him out of a life of darkness and set his feet on the ground on a light-filled path. And Augustine's just like, it's just beautiful. He's like, I go searching in my memory, and I find you. Where normally, you know, our memory is just full of those things that we don't want to remember. And a few things that we do, of course. But it's like you can tell that he's experienced this healing where when he goes on a journey, when he's meandering around in his memory, he remembers God. Even before he knew God, he remembers that God was after him. And it's just a picture of somebody that's enamored with how God can work his way into even the wildest and most complex places in our life. God does not save us and just abandon our inner workings and how we were created as human beings, but God reaches out to us to the depths of our minds and our hearts and our memories and our understanding. Thanks be to God. So we must remember God's story and get acquainted with God's actual nature. God redeems, where God provides, where God speaks, and God is looking for our trust, for our attention. And it seems like there's a real momentum that comes with memory. You know, when you dive in there and you experience God healing the memory, and it's just there's this great momentum where you see yourself there with Jacob, and you see yourself there with 
Moses and you see yourself with the disciples in the boat and you see yourself discussing the wrong thing about, dang, did we forget bread? And you see yourself saying the right thing later when Peter goes, oh, I get it, Lord. You're the Christ. You're the Son of God. And what does Jesus say back to him? I truly, I tell you, Peter, it's not flesh and blood that revealed that to you, but my Father revealed it to you. It's deep down in your memory, in your heart. Momentum comes with memory. We we remember God's actions on our behalf, on behalf of all God's people. And when God heals our memory, believing is possible, faith is possible, hope is possible, and love is possible. Thanks be to God. Amen.